Beth Bennett, and I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. Coming up, we take a look at some of the top science stories for 2022. In physics and astronomy, there are many stories to choose as top stories. And in particular, busy bumblebees not only work hard, they play hard too. Many snakes engage in sensual-looking courtship behaviors such as wrapping and rubbing their teeth. In a cell, does that protein in its folded structure ever talk to another protein by making contact with that other protein? If you've ever stayed awake at night worrying about whether an asteroid's going to wipe out life on Earth, you're not alone. It might be a little less scary now thanks to a daring mission to deflect a real asteroid. Science show volunteer and astrophysicist Joel Parker reported on the DART asteroid deflection experiment this fall. And now many science buffs worldwide have cited that mission as one of the top science stories this year, if not the top story. For more, here's Joel Parker's story about that mission. Back on September 26th, NASA intentionally smashed a spacecraft into an asteroid. That mission was called DART, which stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. It was a proof-of-concept test to see if we can divert the path of an asteroid by hitting it with a spacecraft. The target was called Dimorphos, which is a small moon of the asteroid Didymos. That moon, Dimorphos, is fairly small, about 170 meters or 560 feet in diameter, about the size and mass as the Great Pyramid of Giza. The test was a resounding success. As reported by NASA, prior to DART's impact, it took Dimorphos 11 hours and 55 minutes to orbit its larger parent asteroid Didymos. After DART's impact, astronomers have been using telescopes on Earth to measure how much that time has changed. Now the investigation team has confirmed the spacecraft's impact altered Dimorphos's orbit around Didymos by 32 minutes, shortening the 11-hour, 55-minute orbit to 11 hours and 23 minutes. That is more than 25 times greater than the minimum hoped-for change of 73 seconds. This marks humanity's first time purposely changing the motion of a celestial object and the first full-scale demonstration of asteroid deflection technology. Thanks to Joel Parker for that top headline pick about deflecting an asteroid. It's a headline Joel shared earlier this year for our science show, How on Earth. The DART mission has also been chosen in worldwide lists as a top story for 2022. Another worldwide pick for top headlines has involved the boost in mRNA vaccine research that's taken place since the phenomenal success of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. Now there's a vaccine ready to give a boost of protection for another common and sometimes dangerous respiratory illness known as RSV. For more, here's a new report from How on Earth Science show volunteer and CU Boulder biologist Beth Bennett. Many of us new kids, or adults, 
who got hit by RSV, that's the respiratory syncytial virus, this year. Two large clinical trials of vaccine have finally showed that they can safely protect the two groups hardest hit by this common infection, infants and the elderly. Both vaccines prevented severe disease in people over age 60 without causing serious effects. One also protected infants for six months when given to their mothers late in pregnancy so they could pass the antibodies to their fetuses. RSV usually only causes mild cold-like symptoms, but in babies, the virus can inflame small airways in the lungs, and in the elderly, it can worsen existing lung and heart conditions. RSV vaccine development was derailed for decades after a clinical trial of an experimental candidate more than 50 years ago killed two children and hospitalized 80% of those who received it. Scientists subsequently figured out the key reason. It was made from a chemically inactivated version of the entire virus, and the vaccine only elicited relatively weak antibodies, which not only failed to stop the virus, but through poorly understood mechanisms helped RSV damage airways. The new vaccines avoid this problem by using a method applied in the messenger RNA vaccines for COVID. A key viral protein often changes its shape once it grabs onto a cell. Antibodies against that molecule are most effective if the so-called prefusion state can be stabilized. Developers remain skittish because of past disappointments. GSK in February stopped its maternal RSV vaccine after unspecified safety signals surfaced in clinical trials. But none of the other studies has reported red flags to date, and several of the candidate vaccines could receive approval from regulators around the world next year. Thanks to Beth Bennett for that report. We're looking back at the top science stories for 2022. The American Association for the Advancement of Science creates their own list of top science stories, and they include in their list not only noteworthy science advances, but also the most popular research of the year. One story that got a lot of popular buzz from the American Association for the Advancement of Science was research that shows that bumblebees like to play. It's a story that How on Earth Science Show volunteer Benita Lee also picked for us earlier this year. Here's Benita's report. We've long witnessed and enjoyed fellow mammals like dolphins and dogs being playful and otherwise expending energy just for fun. But as researchers at Queen Mary University of London recently discovered, insects, and in particular busy bumblebees, not only work hard, they play hard too. In a study published in Animal Behavior, scientists described what happened when they introduced bumblebees to ball rolling. These were small, marble-sized wooden balls, and to the scale of a bumblebee, about the equivalent of a person playing with a large exercise ball. For the first part of the study, scientists trained bees to find balls in one of two colored chambers. Later, when offered the choice of entering either chamber, bees preferred the color of the chamber where they had played with the balls. Another experiment gave the bees the option to walk past the balls to feeding areas. Unmovable balls were placed on the left, and mobile balls on the right. Scientists were delighted to find the bees chose to roll the balls, apparently for no reason. If an animal's behavior isn't for a survival benefit, scientists consider that behavior to be play. Researchers also found that younger bees, and especially male bees, tended to play for longer periods of time than adult or female bees. 
one individual rolled a ball 117 times. The scientists hope this study can shift people's perception of insects from seemingly robotic creatures to sentient beings whose place in the world is as valuable as ours. For How on Earth, I'm Benita Lee. This has been a year for many new discoveries about how animals of all shapes and sizes seem to seek out pleasure in a way similar to how people do for pleasures ranging from simple play to sex. That includes female animals, including female snakes. For more, here's Beth Bennett. You may not know that until recently, when the number of women scientists matched that of their male counterparts, scientific studies by males tended to focus on male animals. Well, times have changed, and I say it's about time. One of those fields where male interest dominated was in the anatomical study of sex organs. Yes, we know a lot about animal penises, but not so much about female genitalia. And that holds for humans as well. But we'll hear about snakes today. You've probably seen a snake's forked tongue, but it's not their only forked body part. Male snakes have forked penises called hemipenes. In a study published just last week, scientists provide the first scientific description of the hemiclitoris, or a bifurcated clitoris in female snakes. Given that both male and female reproductive parts develop from the same primordial embryonic tissue, it's not surprising that there's this match. Not only do female snakes have hemiclitoris, but the organs also contain nerves and erectile tissue, just like their male counterpart suggesting they serve a reproductive function. This finding challenges the assumption that snake sex is coercive. The researchers used multiple techniques to examine the anatomy of the clitoris in nine species. They reported substantial variation in size and shape among the species tested, with the cantal viper having the largest hemiclitoris at 1.2 inches long and 0.7 inches wide, and the Guatemalan milk snake at just 0.1 inches long and 0.06 inches wide. Further research would include investigating the types and locations of nerves present in the hemiclitoris and then trying to establish what roles the structures may play during mating. Many snakes engage in sensual-looking courtship behavior such as wrapping and rubbing their tails together. Reproduction is such a vital function in animals, it's not surprising that it should be rewarding in all species. I'm delighted to see some of the biases in science research disappearing, but we still have a ways to go. That was Beth Bennett. Another major advance in science discoveries this year comes from a better understanding of the way the tiny living cells that make up our bodies fold strings of proteins into complex shapes. Being folded into the proper shape lets proteins do jobs that every living thing needs done in order to stay alive. A tiny living cell can fold a protein into the proper shape in minutes or less. For a human to figure out that same thing has been almost impossible until a company called AlphaFold solved the problem with artificial intelligence. For more, here's Boulder's Gold Lab Symposium founder and scientist, Larry Gold. A very interesting field is something called interactomics, where a protein is in a cell and you wonder, huh, 
does that protein in its folded structure ever talk to another protein by making contact with that other protein? They now had all the proteins folded for humans, mice, yeast, different things. And then they docked. So I'm using my hands now for those of you in the radio. I'm sorry. My left hand is a, a picture of, of a folded protein of some extraordinary, exquisite folding thing that DeepMind predicted from its primary sequence. And then you could have every other protein. that I've got my right hand up in a different shape. And now you can imagine that those two proteins interact is called binding. They figured out how to ask what proteins talk to what other proteins. And they did that and published it. So they have a in silico version of the interactome that is a reflection of what people have worked on for 50 years. And they did something very simple. They docked. It's called docking in the computer two shapes to find how they fit together. That was Boulder scientist and entrepreneur Larry Gold talking about AlphaFold. Scientific America says AlphaFold's technology is helping unlock some of the biggest mysteries in biology, which may lead, among other things, to innovations in pharmaceutical drugs and in growing crops. Advances in materials is also an area of great importance to science. Maybe you've heard of the Nobel Prize winning material called graphene that's hundreds of times stronger than steel can conduct electricity, and can be almost transparent. Graphene, spelled with an E, is superpower stuff. But there's something even more amazing. It's graphene, spelled with a Y. This summer, CU Boulder scientists made this new material a reality, leading it to worldwide recognition as a top science story this year. For more, here's engineer and science show volunteer Jill Shang. We've heard of graphene. Graphene, spelt G-A-R-P-H-Y-N-E, is similar to graphene, but it outperforms it in some important respects, especially electrical conductivity. Scientists at CU Boulder have figured out how to synthesize graphene in bulk. This work is from Professor Zhang's lab at CU Boulder's Department of Chemistry and was reported in Nature Synthesis last summer. Graphene, graphene, as well as graphite and diamond are all different versions or allotropes of carbon. These carbon allotropes have strikingly different properties from each other. Carbon allotropes range from graphite, which of course is soft and opaque, to diamond, that is the hardest known natural substance and of course is transparent. Then we have graphene, which is extremely strong but flexible and electrically conductive. So why are these allotropes so different from each other? Well, it has to do with the bonds that carbon can form with itself. Carbon atoms can form different bonds with other neighboring carbon atoms, but they can be single, double bonds, or even triple bonds. These bonds give rise to difference in length, strength, geometry, and electronic properties. So graphite is pure double bonds, while diamond is pure single bonded carbon. Constructing and discovering new carbon allotropes is ongoing. It was back in 2010 
that the Nobel Prize in Physics was awarded to two scientists at the University of Manchester for discovering graphene. Their names are Andre Game and Konstantin Novoselov. Graphene is a single layer of carbon atoms arranged in a hexagonal lattice, or all double bonds. So what is so special about graphene? Graphene is a twist on graphene. But unlike graphene, graphenes contain some triple bonded carbon that are periodically integrated into that hexagonal carbon lattice. So if you look at it, each carbon of the hexagon is bonded to another carbon that has this triple bond to another carbon that's bonded to another hexagon. So what's so important about that? Like graphene, the graphene has very fast conduct electronic conduction, but the conduction can be controlled in a defined direction, unlike the multidirectional conduction in graphene. And that makes it very attractive for certain applications like transistors. Thanks to Jill for that report about a CU bouldery discovery that made some top science discovery lists around the world. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Beth Bennett, and we're looking back at 2022 for the top science stories from around the world. For our next pick, and just for fun, artificial intelligence has been viewed as something that might save the world or might destroy the world. As a favorite science show story pick from Benita Lee, it turns out that whatever artificial intelligence does for the world ahead, it's better for many people if it doesn't get too chatty. Artificial intelligence, or AI for short, can mean many things, including speech recognition technology, machine learning, factory robots, and more. Perhaps the most familiar form is the customer service chatbot on a consumer website. Chatbots pop up in messages making comments like, hello, is there anything I can help you with? It's considered appropriate in business for a customer service person to be friendly and cheerful during interactions with consumers. But researchers at Georgia Tech, McGill University, and the University of South Florida want to know, is it pleasing to customers when a chatbot is chipper? Recent findings published in the journal Information Systems Research began to unravel some answers. One factor researchers looked at is called emotional contagion. That means the tendency for one person's expressed emotion to lead an observer to feel the same emotion. Scientists created an imagined scenario where 155 study participants were told they were seeking help online for a missing order. They were randomly assigned to either human agents or chatbots with either positive or neutral emotional communications. Positive emotions were conveyed with certain upbeat words and punctuation. Here's an example from their script. Thank you for contacting us, period. I am delighted to handle your request today, exclamation point. And here's a neutral response. Thank you for contacting us, period. I am handling your request today, period. Researchers found study participants were more satisfied with the positive emotion interaction when customer representatives were human. When chatbots showed positive emotion, participants were indifferent. Another part of the research determined that different participants expect different kinds of interactions from a chatbot. Some expect a more social exchange, while others a merely transactional one. Participants were more likely to appreciate a friendly bot if that's what they expected. If not, the emotionally positive bot made their experience worse. 
So why is a friendly chatbot not necessarily a good thing? After further research, scientists concluded the answer has to do with expectation disconfirmation. Expectation disconfirmation is when a person's expectation doesn't match up with the actual experience. So if you expect a programmed non-human interaction to be lacking emotion and you experience a chatty chatbot, that feeling of expectation disconfirmation might put you off. For How on Earth, I'm Benita Lee. Another top science story for the year involves the oldest DNA ever analyzed, which has led to the realization that the ice-filled island known as Greenland used to be warm and tropical. Here's Beth Bennett. For over a decade now, we've been hearing reports of DNA sequenced from prehistoric animals, Neanderthals, and ancient humans. But the timeline for extracting DNA until now was about a million years. This year, scientists wound back the clock further than they once thought possible extracting tiny DNA snippets at least 2 million years old from frozen soil in an Arctic desert. And they identified DNA from multiple species to characterize this ancient ecosystem. These results show how environmental DNA, that they call eDNA, can reconstruct lost worlds. In this case, a coastal forest unlike any in existence today that flourished during a warm climate episode at the tip of northern Greenland. DNA fragments from sediment at the mouth of a fjord revealed a lush forest of poplars, conifers, black geese, horseshoe crabs, and mammals such as reindeer, lemmings, and mastodons. No one had expected these elephants to range so far north. The cold climate of Greenland preserved these DNA samples, but another important factor was grains of quartz and clay, whose charged surfaces bind and protect the DNA. The researchers developed new techniques for extracting and decoding the DNA snippets. The findings raised the prospect of extracting eDNA at other high Arctic sites where fossils are scarce. Profiling eDNA from ancient sediments could pay off by revealing genetic adaptations that allowed plants and animals to thrive in the far north at temperatures warmer than today. Novel gene sequences might even be cut and pasted into present-day life forms to help crops germinate earlier, for example. The prospect of resurrecting ancient genes is bound to make many people uncomfortable, but proponents argue that this approach could allow interventions to help species weather the climate crisis. We'll be sharing many other science stories in the year ahead. For our final top science story pick for 2022, here's a major advance that includes some technologies and science developed here in Boulder, which is leading to great science discoveries. For more, here's Joel Parker. In physics and astronomy, there are many stories to choose as top stories in 2022, from black holes to Higgs bosons, successful fusion ignition, and the next steps of returning humans to the moon. But perhaps the story that made the biggest public splash, and potentially will continue to do so for a couple decades, was about the James Webb Space Telescope, or JWST. This space observatory launched at the end of 2021 and reached its final orbit a million miles from Earth 
in the void of space at a location called the Second Lagrange Point, far from the assistance of any repairman if something were to go wrong. JWST then spent the first six months completing an incredibly complex dance of unfurling itself, a process involving 140 release mechanisms, about 70 hinge assemblies, eight deployment motors, about 400 pulleys serviced by 90 cables, and countless, but likely somebody counted, springs, gears, and other movable parts. There were 344 potential single-point failures, but the deployment worked perfectly. The first photos released to the public were a hit, and even included a release briefing from the U.S. president in July. Since then, scientists have been using JWST for projects exploring our solar system, observing planets, moons, asteroids, and comets, and the expansion of the universe, stars, supernova, black holes, some of the most distant galaxies, and how all those planets, stars, and galaxies were formed. Although JWST cost $10 billion over 17 years, well over budget and schedule, scientists and engineers have said its performance and the quality of the data are beyond their expectations, and JWST will be an ongoing source of new discoveries about the universe and our place in it for possibly decades to come. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Susan Moran. This week's show was produced by Shelley Schlender and engineered by Shannon Young. Additional contributions by Beth Bennett, Joel Parker, Jill Shong, and Benita Lee. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Sarathi Kumar, Ken Bark Lamar, and Overlapping Wavelengths. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes and extended interviews. Questions or comments, call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Beth Bennett. And I'm Shelley Schlender.